This week, I was home uh, visiting my family, and I've come to realize very quickly uh, that families change over time. Families change over time. Kids grow up, they go off to college, they get married, the kid you never thought was going to become a priest becomes a priest. Um, over, the, over the years, though, families change. Got all the benchmarks for children, graduate from kindergarten, the next thing you know, they're in high school, next thing you know, they're getting married. There's that weird time in there where they're driving and you're scared for your life and theirs. Um, but families just change over time. People are born into the world. People go on to the next life. There's this constant revolving door with a family. There's also this weird thing that happens, though, and I was convinced of it this weekend, this week, being with my mom and dad for a night, that parents change over time, especially when that parent becomes a grandparent. Now, as a kid, I remember growing up, playing baseball, and like, we had to put our cleats on outside, soccer cleats, baseball cleats, whatever it was. Even though the shoe was rubber, you still didn't want to scuff the floor. Because if you scuffed the floor, mom was going to scuff your butt, and it was going to be a problem, right? But last week, when I was home, my nephew was there. And we're joking around, and we're visiting, and we're having a good time. And all of a sudden, he pulls a scooter out of one of the rooms and starts riding laps around our house. Now I'm sitting there staring at him, just watching him go, flying around the house on a scooter. And at one point I just looked at my mom and I said, really? I couldn't walk from the front door to the kitchen table, which is about 10 feet, in cleats. But you're letting him drive laps on a scooter. Something wrong with this picture. But families change over time, and parents, they change over time. And for all of our life, there's this constant kind of growing that happens in a family. Parents all of a sudden become really, really soft when they're grandparents. The rules and the authority that was there, the kind of heavy-handedness, the second they hold that grandbaby, just goes away. And they soft and they putty, and the kids know how to play them. Now the question becomes, which one best communicates our Lord? Like if God is our Father, God is a parent, which one best communicates our Lord? The authoritarian, the rule follower, or the one who's putty and, and loves us and is wonderful? I think if we say one over the other, we're wrong. Like God is not just this authoritarian that's hard on us, that's all about justice and nothing else. That's not God. That's what happens a lot of times when we, characterize, when we see God characterized in the world, on the news, but that's not God. But the other side, the other extreme is not true either. God is not just this nice guy with no real rules, you're not okay, I'm not okay, but that's okay kind of thing. That's not God either. 
God is all about love and all about justice. He's a both and. And in today's scripture, we hear how this kind of balances out. We have some language that seems to be kind of heavy-handed. It is better for you to go into heaven without a hand, without a foot, without an eye, than to be cast into hell. The word Gehenna over the years gets developed and it lands now in English as the word hell. So the question becomes, like God is saying, it's better for you to go into heaven without a hand, without a foot, without an eye, than to go into hell. God invites us this week in these scriptures into a very, very particular moment in the life of a Christian, into the life of a conversion, where the sin that's in my life, I have to weed out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. But the reason why that he's inviting us into that kind of image, this image of being stripped of those things that cause us to sin, is not because he's some kind of masochist or some kind of overly just, heavy-handed God, but because he loves us. Because he's inviting us into heaven and doesn't want to see us lost to hell. Now, there's a lot of different ways that we can characterize hell. There's a lot of different ways that we can characterize this like image where we think of fire, we think of a little red devil with some horns and a weird goatee, right? There's a lot of different ways that we can think of it, but the real way to think of it is, is that you're completely out of relationship with God. And he, as a father, does not want to lose his children. He, as a loving God, does not want his children apart from him for eternity. So he constantly invites us and constantly calls us. Now what happens a lot of time in our culture, like he sent Jesus to show us the right path, the right way to get to him. He sent Jesus as the example of the way to get to him. I think what happens a lot of time in our culture is that we start to question if sin really exists. Like our culture doesn't like the idea of sin because it doesn't like the idea of hell because it doesn't like the idea of not being comfortable. So there's a questioning of if sin even exists. There's a questioning of if hell even exists. Spoiler alert, they do. But we're being invited out of it. We're being invited into relationship with God today. Make no mistake about it. There's a battle that is going on. And this battle has the devil and sin pulling at us. And on the other side, there's light and grace and the kingdom of God and the Father himself calling us. And we're standing right in the middle. The times that we're cooperating with the Lord, the times that we're moving closer to Him, the times that we want to be nothing more than a child of God in His presence, the devil's tempting. 
the enemy whispers, well, what about this? Just like he did to Adam and Eve. The times that we find ourselves stuck in sin, falling, constantly just being bogged down by sinful inclinations, sinful temptations, falling into sin over and over, our conscience stings us. Our conscience speaks to us. God whispers to us, come back to me. We stand right in the middle where we're called to not listen to those temptations, to not listen to those sinful inclinations of our life, but to run towards the Father, to run towards the Lord. The beautiful thing about this is that we have the sacraments as ways of knowing we're moving towards Him. We come today to communion knowing that we approach Him here. We go to confession knowing that we approach Him there, His mercy there. The Lord calls us to be saints. He calls us out of sin. This life of conversion is not easy. Just like any good athlete, just like any good person with any kind of craft that they do, there's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. But over time, we become proficient at it. We become good at it. And the struggle's worth it. See, Pope Francis, I mean, Pope Benedict once said, you're not made for comfort. That we as men and women are made for greatness. So in a profound way, which way does my life lean? Do I find myself diving into the creature comforts of the world? The comfort that, is, that sin can feel like? Or do I find myself striving for greatness? Striving to be the saint that the Lord's calling me to be? Today, we come to this sacrament. We come to this altar so that we can be fed for that journey. That we can be fed to know who God is more perfectly. To get a small taste of heaven here where we come in perfect communion with our God through the Blessed Sacrament. Ultimately, this life of conversion is our choice. It's a choice that leans on you and on me personally. And we have to choose which way we're going to go. When I was a kid, I used to go, speaking of grandparents, when I was a kid, I used to spend a lot of time with my grandfather. And we did all kind of different things, but one of the things we loved to do in the afternoons was play checkers. And when we would play checkers, he knew what was going on. He was much better than me at it, obviously. But when we were playing, he would look at me and he would, I would move, I would go to make a move. And he would look at me and he would say, are you sure you want to do that? Now, as a kid, I had a choice to pick my finger up and make the move official. Most of the time, he called my attention to something else that would happen, something bad that would happen, and I'd move right back. But every now and then, I thought I knew better than him. Every now and then, I thought that I got him. I caught him on this one. And I would leave it. 
And then I had to deal with the consequences, double, triple jumps, all kind of things, losing the game. But the thing is, is that it was my choice. And the times that I knew, I let him guide me. I let him teach me were the times that he was calling me to live better, to do better. But the times when I thought I knew better than him was the times when I was falling into to struggle. Similarly in our lives, our life of conversion is our choice. And the Lord is pulling us, and the enemy is pulling us, and we're stuck in the middle. But in a profound way today, the Lord reaches out to us with all strength, with a strength that's stronger than any sin, than any, than any kind of struggle, than any space that you might find yourself in, and he pulls us to him when we receive communion. He sees us face to face. He gives himself to us in a profound way. So today, as we approach the Lord, as we approach God himself, let us recognize that today is a moment of a taste of heaven. That we're being called into a life of sanctity, into a life of greatness. And it's our choice if we want to embrace it. The choice is yours. Greatness or comfort.